I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. I want to thank you so much for being with us here today uh, for our next installment in our series on spiritual warfare. We've talked about our adversary, the devil, and we've talked about how he schemes to get at us and tricks us and lies to us and manipulates, manipulates us in all kinds of ways so that we can't do what God wants us to do. And today, after we've spent a lot of time talking about how to protect ourselves with truth and to put on spiritual armor of, and to have a shield of faith and a helmet of salvation, and to even take the Bible as a sword to fight back. But today I want to talk about the fact, I hope this will be extremely encouraging to you, that we have allies. Um, And so in your bulletin you will find an outline entitled, Angels Are Our Allies. And I just want to jump into point one here, that we're involved in a spiritual battle. This is what we said every week. In Ephesians 6 it says, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against the evil spirits in heavenly places. And as I said, we've talked about how to put on spiritual armor to protect ourselves, but I want to encourage you today that in this battle against unseen forces, we also have unseen allies. I look back all through my notes, and I had never, uh, in over 20 years of delivering Sunday morning messages and things, I'd never devoted an entire message to angels. And, and uh, so when I started studying this week, I had to open up a whole lot more time because I found 300 references to angels in the Bible. I mean, it was amazing how often God answered prayers by sending angelic beings to help his people. And if I can encourage you with anything, I would tell you this, that we are not alone. And that God, when we are seeking to do God's will, God will marshal the armies of heaven to help us. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Yeah, if this is, I, hope this, I hope you leave here today more energized to pray, less committed to worry. That's what I'm hoping today. And so this is a message for all of us, and I believe you'll leave here today greatly encouraged. Let me have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the promises of Scripture, the insight into unseen things. I thank you, Lord, that um, your word is our guide in all matters of faith and practice, even how to practice our faith in the middle of a spiritual battle. I thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers, and you do not want us to be afraid. So I pray that today we will not be afraid. We'll be greatly encouraged. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you need a pen to fill in some blanks, just raise your hand. You want to take some notes on this. And I think if you're like me, you don't think about this that often, of how God uh, protects us and how God works to uh, watch out for us. But angels are a big part of the answer. And that brings us to point B, angels are allies. If there's a spiritual battle, well, fallen angels are demons. The devil himself is a fallen angel. And uh, so who's on our side? Well, point one reminds us that angels fight against the devil and his demons. We get a glimpse of this in Romans 12. There are other places in Scripture, but in, or in Revelation 12, excuse me, verses 7 through 9, uh, you see a spiritual battle going on. John, one of Jesus' disciples, was given a glimpse of heaven, and here's what he wrote down. There was a war in heaven. Michael, the archangel, and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, the devil and his. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his an, angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all of his angels. That's verses 7 through 9. Now I put on verse 4 here, just, and you'll see why in a second. His tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to earth. 
Uh, the reason I tagged on verse 4 from chapter 12 there in Revelation was that, according to Hebrew tradition, uh, a third of the angels, when Satan rebelled against God uh, and demanded to put a throne above the Lord's himself, demanded his own kingdom, uh, he took a third of the angels with him in his rebellion. The reason why I wanted that in there is if a third of the angels joined the devil in his rebellion, and they're the bad angels, well, the good angels outnumber them two to one. That should elicit a hurrah, okay, or something, okay? Hey, they outnumber two to one. Yeah, there we go, okay. And Michael, in this glimpse of Revelation 12 there, Michael and his angels fought the devil and his angels, and Michael and his angels won. And if you read to the end of the book of Revelation, there's an angel that binds the devil hand and foot, and he's chunked into the lake of fire to be punished forever and ever. And so we know who wins. And we know that there are angels on our side. And sometimes we forget this because life is discouraging, and life can get hard, and we can forget that and think that we're all alone and God isn't listening to our prayers. But one of the things you'll see here is there's a lot going on behind the scenes. There's more going on behind the scenes than in front of our eyes. And so that brings us to uh, this life application here. If God is our refuge, if God is our refuge, we can be confident that he has assigned powerful angels to protect us. Oh, come on, John. Mm-mm, I'm not making this up. This is not just wishful thinking. I got God's word on it. Psalm 91, verse 9. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Psalm 91. And you go, well, John, I mean, did that really happen? Oh, you're going to see, I, I mean, I could have put pages and pages of references where God sent angels to rescue his people. Daniel in the lion's den, thrown into a den of hungry lions to be eaten alive. And when he was thrown in, the next morning, they thought he would have been devoured within minutes. The next morning, he was still alive, and the king who had ordered him thrown in said, Daniel, are you alive? And he goes, oh, yes, king, it's, and I just want to praise my God who sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions. That angel came down and closed their mouths and protected him. Angels are mighty and strong. And that wasn't just a promise for Daniel. It says here that if you and I make the Lord our refuge, he will order his angels to protect us. And some of you needed to hear that today. Some of you have a son or a daughter or a loved one who's on the other side of the world or who's moved, who's moved to a new city and you're praying for protection. Well, I want you to understand this. This is when you, when you and I pray for others to be protected, God sends angels to protect us. Has this happened to people that are in accounts that are outside the Bible? Oh yeah, myriads of them. Corey Ten Boom was a woman who was arrested by the Nazis. She and her family had run a sort of an underground railroad to help smuggle Jews out from Nazi Germany so they wouldn't be uh, put to death in concentration camps. And for a long time, they smuggled a lot of people out, and eventually they were discovered. They themselves were then taken to a concentration camp. And Corey Ten Boom says she, she, she and her sister and her father were all taken there. Her sister and her father died there. Um, but when she was taken to this concentration camp, she just wanted to get her Bible in. That's all she wanted. And so she had it under her dress. It's this big bulge in her dress. And she said as they went in, guards were just stripping off jewelry, everything, patting down women with no respect. I mean, it was a horrible. They were treated like cattle. They were just, they had to go through search after search after search. And she prayed that God would blind the eyes of the guards 
when they were searching all these people. And every woman, the woman in front of her was patted down, the woman behind her was patted down, and she walked right through. And she said she got into the camp and she had her Bible. It was this huge bulge that you couldn't miss. And, uh, and everyone said, how on earth could you get that in? And she said, God blinded the, he sent angels to blind the eyes of the guards to let me in to protect me. I mean, there are stories that go over and over. There was another gentleman, uh, if you can, there's a book you can order. It's, it's on Amazon called God's Smuggler. It's by a guy named Brother Andrew. And he used to smuggle Bibles behind the Iron Curtain to Christians who just desperately wanted Bibles. He had this old Volkswagen Beetle. And he would load the thing down with Bibles. And he would come to these checkpoints. And every time he would go, Lord, you have to blind their eyes. This car is just almost overflowing with Bibles. But I need to get these in. And he would go to checkpoints. He said they would open the trunk. They'd move some clothing, move things, open up boxes, and they would just be filled with Bibles. And they would look right at him, and he'd go, go on through. And people asked him, how can you possibly do this? He goes, I have no idea. I pray every time that the Lord would send angels to close their eyes and protect me and let me go through. I mean, you've got to read the book. It's amazing. And these stories are true. They're not just in the Bible here. They, they continue to go on. And by the way, here's a note here that there are plenty of angels to protect us. You go, well, there are enough to go around? Oh, yeah. Hebrews 12, 22, but you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, myriads of angels. If you look at Revelation 5, 11, when John is looking at that glimpse into heaven, he's going, there are thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000 angels around the throne of heaven singing praises to our God. God has plenty of angels to help you. Plenty of angels to help me. And that's why the life application here is when we are afraid, we must pray. Now, some of you go, come in here and fill in the blanks early. If you wrote in worry, cross that out. You got it wrong. When we're afraid, we must worry. And some of you wrote in, we must worry and post our worries on Facebook because that's what's going to help the most. This is what we do. When we're afraid, we worry. When we're afraid, we fret. When we're afraid, we just oh, panic. And the Bible tells us, why would you do that? This is why you come to the Lord. I mean, listen to Psalm 34. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Now listen to this part. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. In some translation, he encamps around those who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. I mean, I hope you notice this, that if God is our refuge, we don't have to be afraid. If he needs to, he'll send a supernatural being to protect us. And yet we worry and we're afraid. If there's anything you get out of this lesson today, it's that we need to pray more. Prayer changes things. We need to pray often with confidence. God hears our prayers. We just don't see it happening, and so we give up. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who take refuge in him. 
oh, this helps me sleep with confidence at night, knowing that the angel of the Lord encamps around my house. When my wife and I pray for our kids, we pray that the angel of the Lord will encamp around them and protect them. And you go, well, why would you pray that? Because the Bible says we're supposed to not live in fear. I mean, when this comes into conversations in my office, I'm talking to people who are just eaten up with fear and dread about things, and we talk about this, and it's like, well, sometimes when people are experiencing all this, it's because they're going a way that they know the Lord told them not to go. They're going pell-mell, tumbling headlong into sin, when the Lord has clearly told them to go a different direction. Now, when we do that, we're not taking our refuge in Him. And then we need to be very afraid. But if you and I are seeking the Lord with all our hearts and we're walking away from the things we know are wrong, He'll protect us. He'll guide us. He'll encourage us. And that, if that brings us to point two. Angels, if you flip your outline over, angels serve God and care for His people. Angels are motivated by an inexhaustible supply of love for God and by this constant desire to help you and me do God's will. That's what drives them. They love God. They were created. They are supernatural beings created precisely to serve God, our Heavenly Father. And their will is to do His will. And His will is for you and me to obey Him. God wants us to achieve His will, to, to be obedient to His will and to fulfill His plans for us more than we do. You may not believe that, but today I'm going to remind you this is what the Bible says. And angels are sent to help us do that. Hebrews 1.14 says so. Angels are only servants, ministering servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. That's their job description. Their job description is to be messengers of God, servants of God, to help you and me. We don't see most of what they do. Only occasionally do we catch glimpses of this. One thing they do is this. God sometimes sends angels to encourage his people. It happened to the Apostle Paul. He was on a ship headed toward Rome. was caught in a terrible storm. was about to have a shipwreck. Been at sea in this horrible storm for, for a couple of weeks. Everybody had given up hope. They'd all despaired. They, they all thought they were going to drown. But an angel was sent to encourage Paul. Here's Paul speaking about it, Acts 27. He's talking to the crew. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night I saw an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Well, he stood beside me and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. And what's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Paul was able to give encouragement because the angel gave him encouragement. My goodness, the accounts that exist of Christians who received a note, sometimes by a messenger they didn't even know of encouragement to remind them of something. Uh, there are too many to count. Somebody came up to me and reminded me of something. I'd never even seen that person before. Was it an angel? Could have been. Why would that surprise us if God sent angel, an angel to Paul to encourage him so he wouldn't give up hope that he, could do, that he couldn't do the same thing now? Why would, we, why would we limit him? And why are we so quick to give up on prayer? And give in to discouragement and fear. I don't know. God sometimes sends angels to guide his people. I mean, at Christmas time, we talk about an angel appearing in a dream to Joseph, telling him that it's okay uh, to take Mary as his wife, to 
an angel appearing to the father of John the Baptist, telling him what's about to happen. He's going to have a baby, even though he and his wife are very old. All kinds of guidance given to people throughout the Bible, an angel appearing at different times, crucial points so people would know what God wanted them to do. In uh, Acts 10, we find a man named Cornelius. Here's how it came about. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as it was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor. He prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel, an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. And Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? Uh, he asked the angel, and the angel replied, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send someone to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. And Simon the tanner was somebody who worked with animal skins. He didn't run a tanning salon. Different day, okay? Don't get that confused. Okay, but the idea was simply there that the angel was sent to tell Cornelius where to find Peter so Peter could come to tell him about Jesus. And that brings us to a life application. And if you, if you guys can put this on the screen, the life application that's in your outline is wrong. If you have a pen, write this one in. I had a, a funeral on Thursday when this deadline was due, and I allowed a, uh, a rough draft to go through that uh, wasn't the finished product here. But this is what it should say. Angels are excited to assist us in telling others about Jesus. Remember, they're ministering spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. And they love to assist us. They assisted Cornelius in finding Peter. Peter's job was to tell Cornelius about Jesus. The angel's job was to tell him where to find Peter. This should give you hope if you know someone who's far from God and you ever wonder, well, what if somebody lives in a place where there's not a church and they're seeking God? Will God hear them? Yeah, Hebrews 11:6 says that God rewards those who sincerely seek him. And Cornelius was sincerely seeking him. And God sent an angel from heaven. So, and, and Cornelius had his whole household full when Peter showed up and all of them became believers. The Jesus Film Project, where they show the story of Jesus on films all over the world. They go to places where nobody's ever heard about Jesus. They show up in a village, and there are many stories of how a whole village is waiting for them. They've never been there. And they're anxious to see the film. And they set up their equipment, and they said, how did you guys know we're coming? Well, those men you sent ahead of you told us you'd be here in a couple of days. We didn't send any men. Well, somebody told us, and so we've got everybody here. We want to see what you have to say. Is it still happening? Oh, yeah. So when you and I pray that the gospel will go out and lost people will come to Jesus, sometimes God uses angels to help that come about. If that's good news to you, would you say amen? amen. So should we pray? Yes. More. Much more. These things are happening. So, Angels are excited to assist us in telling others about Jesus. Luke 2, an angel was sent to a group of shepherds who were watching a flock of sheep, watching flocks of sheep outside of Bethlehem. We always read this at Christmas time. We're recording this in July for those of you watching on the internet. And so I think it's legal to read this in July. Is that okay? I mean, we're six months off here. I think we can read this passage. Uh, but here's what happened the angel appeared to these shepherds and he said, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The angel told them where they could find Jesus, lying in a manger. Go see. This will be a sign. I mean, I'm telling you, this is what angels live for. They live for the fact to help us carry out our mission. So sometimes if it overwhelms you, man, we got to tell everybody about Jesus. I mean, this was so encouraging to me. I was just blown away when I started reading scripture after scripture. I, I could have put pages and pages more stories about how angels interacted and how God sent them to help people carry out his will. And sometimes when I'm sitting there doing ministry, I get so discouraged. This was of great encouragement to me. Do you know, Jesus said, do you know, Luke 15, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Man, that warms my heart. I get to be with people when they repent. And I don't hear anything going on. I don't see any parties going on. But Jesus says up in heaven, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I don't know if they're doing that. But you already saw that puppet thing. Okay, anyway, but anyway. So the whole thing is that there's angels rejoicing. They have an inexhaustible love for God and an unquenchable desire to see us do his will. I needed to be reminded of that this week. Maybe you do too. So angels serve God and care for his people. They encourage, sometimes they encourage, sometimes they guide, and sometimes they rescue. This is the next point in your outline. God sometimes sends angels to rescue people. Not just protect them, but rescue them. Uh, The situation here is this. Uh, Christians are being persecuted, driven out of Jerusalem. Many of the Jewish leaders uh, hate the fact that these early Christians are telling people about Jesus, who had been crucified, and blaming them for it. And so they go to King Herod. Herod wants to rack up political points, so he has a bunch of them arrested. He even had, you remember, um, James and John, two of the first disciples. Well, uh, James, uh, John's brother, uh, Herod had him run through with a sword. He had him put to death. And he had Peter arrested, and presumably he was going to put him to death next. And so we're jumping in the action, Acts 12. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Now, before we jump in on this, uh, the, the verses that you haven't read here are that there are four squads of four soldiers each, a detachment assigned to guard Peter. So 16 soldiers, both in his cell. He's got two of them he's chained to, but then there's um, you know, 14 others that are surrounding it. The night before he was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. An angel struck him on the side. To waken him, he said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. And then they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. And so they passed through, they started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left them. And Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Rescued him. Rescued him. 
Peter was then able to go and proclaim the good news. The angel had been sent to rescue him so Peter could carry out the ministry. Angels don't counsel people who come in and warn them. We do. That's our job. We counsel each other, pray for each other. Angels aren't the ones carrying the gospel around the world, the Great Commission. That commission belongs to us. Angels are sent to help us do that. In Peter's case, they rescued him so he could get out of prison and carry out the work that God had in store for him. What if we embraced our job as well as they embraced their job? Man, I hope this is encouraging to you today. What did it say over here? Psalm 91, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Peter believed that. That's why the story's here, and the angel did that. If you and I are following the Lord, the Lord will marshal the armies of heaven to help us. So why are we afraid? I mean, Peter didn't even realize what was happening. It said, what's so funny is, I also wish I would have put in uh, Acts 12, 5. I started with verse 6. So I just had a bad day Thursday. I don't know what I was doing. Okay, but Acts 12, 5 simply says this. After Peter was arrested, the other believers got together to pray, and they prayed fervently for Peter. And in answer to their prayer, the angel was dispatched to get him out of prison. They were still having the prayer meeting Peter showed up at the house and knocked on the door, and they didn't believe it was him, and they didn't let him in. I'm not making it up. You can read the rest of the story. And they were just like us. We're so shocked when God answers a prayer, we can't believe it. Hey, we prayed about that, and God granted our request. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, what if we actually put this into practice? Here's a life application. We can be confident that God has angels working on our behalf in ways we can't see. Some of you need to hear that today. I need to hear that today. I started off this series with this verse. I want to drop it in here again, 2 Kings 6. Another situation where a man of God, in this case the Old Testament prophet Elisha, was in a city surrounded by hostile enemies, chariots and horses all around the city. And one morning a servant got up, surveyed the situation, thought they were doomed. 2 Kings 6. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. There are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed this. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Man. What if God opened our eyes? I mean, there are so many times I'm ready to give up. There are so many times I'm filled with despair. And if I could just have my eyes opened, I think it would be amazing if you saw angels encamped around us. I hope you hear this again. Pray. Don't give up. If necessary, I mean, it says here that if we pray and we make the Lord our refuge then the God of heaven, the Most High, will 
order his angels to protect us. That's why all these stories are... And I could have put in dozens more, literally dozens and dozens and dozens more stories in the Bible just like this. Just like this. Another life application. This is important too. Although angels are impressive, we must not worship angels or hang around people who obsess about them. The goal is not to get us to go and obsess about angels. Don't do that. The Bible gives us glimpses of this, but we're not to try to communicate with angels. We're certainly not to worship angels. Paul talks about this to the Colossians. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he's seen and his unspiritual mind puffs them up with idle notions. There are books and books and uh, lots of bookstores. You can go online and find hundreds of articles and all kinds of things about angels going into all this detail. There are some articles that say that angels are aliens and that's where UFOs come from. I'm not kidding. There are tons of books that are based on some understanding of angel from people, their own personal experiences, their own imaginings that completely contradict what the Bible says about them. And we're not to get into that. We're simply to believe that God dispatches angels to protect us, to guide us, to encourage us. So we won't be afraid, so we'll pray instead. That's the big takeaway. And there's one more life application in Hebrews 13 too. And sometimes like, apparently he sends angels to test us. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Well, let's see if John Schmidt will put his money where his mouth is and give somebody supper. Could be. So, I want to go back to the front page. Bottom of the front page, Psalm 34. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I what? Prayed. And the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. This is a reminder today. That's the big takeaway. We need to pray more, worry less. John Schmidt needed to hear that. Anybody else need to hear that today? Yeah. Can we pray? Oh, Father, we thank you so much for your word to guide us. We thank you so much for the promises that if we take refuge in you, you will do whatever it takes to help us accomplish your will. Lord, you have, you have created magnificent beings, angels, who are invisible to our sight the vast majority of the time, but they're real. And so, Lord, why are we afraid and why do we worry? Why am I so filled with doubt when hard times come my way? Forgive me, Lord. I pray that we will trust you more. I pray that we will pray more. And not give up to fear and despair. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises we have. Thank you that you sent an angel to encourage Paul and rescue Peter. Thank you that you closed the mouths of the lions so they wouldn't hurt Daniel. 
sent an angel to Mary and explained what was about to happen to her. You sent an angel to the shepherds and told them where to find baby Jesus. Lord, for us, why don't we trust you then that you'll guide us too? In a moment of silence, if the Lord spoke to you about something, would you say, Lord, I heard you today? Help me trust you more. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.